All right. And so, but, but let, let's dive right into this. Like we got a lot to cover. Look at your neighbor and say, keep up. We got a lot to cover. And so we've been in this series called Blueprint. And Blueprint is just birthed out of us understanding the original design of man and getting back to the original design of man. And we were building a house. The Bible says what man built a house and not counted the cost first. And so we want to build the house correctly, the total man, the, ento- the, the, the entire man. And so this week, I want to talk to you from the subject of the finisher. Say the finisher. The finisher. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say the finisher. Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares, or as King James say, besets us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto who? No, looking under Pastor Pitts. Looking unto your bride or your husband. No, no, no. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the, come on, say it with a little uh, oomph. Of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If this was a seminary class, I would tell you about the right hand of God. Whenever you read the Bible, the right hand of God represents his strength. And so when Jesus sit down at the right hand of God, it denotes that he has power. Come on. And so Jesus had that same power and he give it, he's given it to us. But when we were all created by the father, he created us with a purpose to cause us to be driven through life. Sociologists call this the will to live. Uh, Most Christians of the Christian faith have the desire to accomplish their God-given purpose. No one wakes up and says, I'm not going to accomplish my purpose. But most Christians have have the desire to finish their God-given purpose. But the dilemma lies in our lack of stick-to-itiveness. We want to complete something, but we don't want to stick to anything. We quit. Watch this. We lose passion in our pursuit of spiritual completeness in the attempt to overcome obstacles on the road to purpose. We lose our passion when we come in contact with an obstacle, which brings me to my first point. Obstacles try to obstruct you from making it to your purpose. Every one of you have obstacles in your life that you have run into. No one has ever achieved anything great without running into an obstacle. There are hurdles. I used to be a hurdler, believe it or not. Until one day, my block slipped. I made it past the first three hurdles, but on the fourth day, come on. (laughs) My face met the track. I've never hurdled again. (laughs) Still suffer from that. Lord have mercy. But we all have to get over some hurdles in our lives. Matthew 21, 21 says this, and Jesus answered them. Truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree. This is him talking to his disciples. But even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. 
Obstacles, you have the authority to speak to them. Whether it be sickness, whether it be relational trauma, whether it be emotional trauma, whether it be psychological trauma, whether it be financial trauma, whether it be occupational trauma, whatever that mountain you are facing, do not cave in on going after purpose. Obstacles are meant to be spoken to and moved out of the way. As a matter of fact, one scripture says this, he'll take your enemies and make them a footstool. We all think that's something to rest on. No, I use my footstool to step up higher. And so when obstacles come into your life, sometimes it takes you to a different plane in life. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. See, it is human nature to take our eyes off where we're going when we feel like there are obstacles or stumbling blocks or potholes in our route to fulfilling our mission. But it is only when we have complete trust in the promise of God. And only then do we rest because we know we will finish our goal. (laughs) It's only then we have complete, say complete, Complete. rest. It's only then when we look to the hills from which cometh our help because our help comes from the Lord that we have complete trust in God. Don't look when I was running track. Let me tell you why I hit the hurdles. It's because I took my eyes off the finish line and started looking at the hurdle. And and they tell you this in track. When you look at the hurdle, you're going to hit that hurdle. Any, Any golfers in the house? Anyone plays golf besides me? Who said golf is not a sport? Let's go walk 18 tomorrow. Okay, let's see. Uh, (laughs) And so, but when you're playing golf, and I do this all the time, I am notorious for this. You get there and then then they say, don't look at the water. Don't look at the water. I look at the water. And it's like, go, go magnet ball. Splash! And I just walk and drop me another <laughs> past the water. Because when I looked at the water, I took my eyes off the pin and put my eyes on the ob- obstacle that's on the way that's meant to obstruct you from getting to the goal. And the enemy comes in to get you to take your eyes off the author and the finisher of your faith to obstruct you from getting to your purpose. Are you tracking with me? So let me assume you have the ability to finish and looking at Jesus. But let's look at this through the eyes of Jesus from the cross of Jesus. Uh, I'm going to give you a good Friday sermon on a Sunday. All right. We're going to look at Jesus's last sayings from the cross. And I'm going to give you some practical ideas of how Jesus teaches us how to finish. You want to learn how to finish? All right. So first, Luke chapter 23, verse 34, the A clause says this. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Um, I could stop here and preach for weeks. Because a lot of us have yet to learn the art of forgiveness. But this is Jesus witnessing the very people he came to say, mock him, ridicule him for teaching the truth and bringing life to a dying world. As a matter of fact, the church folk, the religious leaders of the day, who were, by the way, Jews, wanted to silence the man of Jesus because he interrupted their religious flow. Don't you know God is a divine interrupter? 
Sometimes we can get so religious that when God shifts, we want to shift back to what we know because it is familiar. But God said, change the way you talk to your wife if you want a better marriage. Change the way you treat your husband if you want a better husband. Exalt your kids and don't beat your kids down if you want them to excel. And we get so caught up in the religious act. Well, my mama didn't do this. My dad didn't do this. We didn't do this. And then when Jesus come in the shift, we're so stuck in the religious nature of our lives that we cannot do what God says in our lives. Jesus was looking down from the cross and not only the Roman soldiers who was carrying out the crucifixion, but also his disciples who abandoned him. Remember I said when obstacles come up, we often abandon our purpose. Jesus is looking down and none of his disciples are there but one and he's looking around. Where's Peter? Peter off crying, soaking somewhere. Where's, where's Matthias? He gone. You know, all of them gone. Andrew, all of them gone. And he's looking down and they're not there. They once celebrated him, but later they chose Barabbas over him. He was also thinking of not just what was happening in the moment, but he was thinking of you. Who would neglect him? Who would ignore him? who will not follow him, who will not trust him. We may as well have been that line of Romans spitting in his face and pulling his beard and whipping his back. And so when I hear songs like the cross, the cross, those were my nails put through his hands. I view it through those eyes. He was also thinking of us and he suffered for us. But yet he still looks out from the cross and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lesson number one is this. Forgive those who wrong you to help you finish your purpose. Forgive those who wrong you to help you finish your purpose. If you're carrying the baggage of unforgiveness, you will never have the strength to make it to your purpose. Some of you need to go on a tour of forgiveness. Take the tour de forgiveness. All right? So the first one, forgive those who wrong you. Number two, Luke 23, 43, Jesus says this. And he said to them, he said, and he said to him, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. This is Jesus talking to the thief on a cross. Jesus was on a cross between two guilty criminals. He was the only one up there that was not guilty. And the guilt, and one of the guilty uh, confessed to Jesus and acknowledged that he was wrong while the other mocked Jesus and declared that he should have done something if he was not guilty. But in the middle of his suffering, Jesus still had time to minister to the needs of others. This man was truly repented and only asked to be remembered. He said, Father, when you come into your kingdom, can you just remember me? He didn't say, can you get me out of this situation? He didn't say, Father, I know I did what I did, but can you please get me out of this, 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 this guilty verdict? Can you please pull me from this cross? The only thing he said was, Father, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. What if God never pulls you out of that situation? 
Oh, come on. This is not a blab it and grab it, spit it and get it. This is a gospel message. Come on. What if God doesn't take the sickness away? Will you still say, remember me? Remember me. But Christ, he says, I, I can't do anything average. So Christ shows divine authority and he says, this day. You'll be with me in paradise. So the lesson we can learn from this is if we confess our sins and turn from our wicked ways, heaven will be opened for us. Come on, isn't that beautiful picture? That if you just turn from your ways and confess, confess it and turn, that's metatonoia. There has to be a transformative mind. Meta, to change. Noia, mind. Change your mind. Reconsider your ways to repent. There has to be a mind change in this place this morning. And so when you begin to change your mind and say, God, remember me. God says, I'll open heaven to you. We have to begin to not only look for prosperity in the earth, but we have to be eternity minded. He came that we may have eternal life. Do, do, you, hear, do you hear what I'm saying? What, can I tell you, everybody ain't going to be rich. Let me say it again. Everybody ain't going to be rich. Do you hear me online? Everybody's not going to be rich. But God would have kings to partner with prophets to fund the kingdom. If you stingy, don't even look for it. <laughs> I'll move on. So we have to forgive. The next one, we have to confess. John 19, 26 through 27 says this. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. What a beautiful depiction of the love of Jesus and suffering. Jesus, although he was all man, was also all God. But just because he was all God doesn't mean he did not possess human emotions. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. That was an emotional response. Can I debunk this 21st century uh, Christian lingo where they say it don't take all that? When people are crying in church and shouting in church and, and, and clapping their hands in church and lifting their, oh, it don't take all that. Why not? I love that old, that old hymn that they used to sing. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> it was saying that if something is on the inside, it does no one else any good until it bubbles up on the outside. 
What's the use of me having love for my wife on the inside if I never let it bubble up and show it on the outside? And so when, oh my God, there is a response to it. Jesus had emotion because Jesus was a man. He understood the struggle of man and therefore is compassionate for man. He knew his mama was hurting because he wants hurt. He knew his mom was going to miss him and needed to be comfort because he was missing. And he understood he needed to be comfort. I'm talking about Jesus, y'all. Talking about Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. That's who I'm talking about. This is why no matter what hurts you right now, because, uh, because you are his, it hurts him. I'll say that again. I, I didn't get the response I wanted. I, am, 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 I, am I practicing? I thought somebody was going to shout me down right there. <laughs> that is why it doesn't matter what hurts you because you are his, it hurts him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because he is God, he becomes moved with compassion, love others compassionately, to heal you where you hurt the most. So the lesson here is this. Because Jesus had the human experience, there's no hurt that he doesn't empathize with. Empathy means I enter into the same pain that you're empty, that you are enduring right now. What? Listen to me. I want to stop right here and pause and, and parenthetically inject right here that no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what hurt it is, no matter who walked out on you, no matter who lied on you, no matter who fired you, no matter who, 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 who are saying and posting things on social media about you, no matter where you hurt in your body, no matter what the doctor the reports was Jesus empathized with you and he is stepping into your pain this morning you serve a savior that loves you too much to let you walk through your pain by yourself preach pastor feel myself this <laughs> come on burning with the Holy Ghost Matthew 27, 45 through 46 says this, from noon to three, the whole earth was dark. After mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths. Here go his emotion again. Groaned out of the depths, crying loud, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? This phrase, prior to this, Jesus was speaking from a spiritual posture. But this is the first time he cries out from his humanity. For Christ to die and redeem us, he had to take on the sins of humanity, both present, past, and future. Because he was perfect, he could not die. Let me say that again. Because he was perfect, he could not die. He could not be the sacrificial lamb. But because he needed to die, here it is in the Old Testament in Leviticus, they would bring the lamb and the goat before and they would slaughter, slaughter a sacrifice before him and they would take the blood and they would smear it on the lamb representing the stain of humanity. And in this moment, the lamb of God, the perfect lamb of God takes the stain and smears it over himself and he becomes the perfect sacrifice. He smears 
our lies. He smears our hatred. He smears our bigotry. He smears our racism. He smears all of our distrust and unity. He smears our backsliding. He smears it on Jesus. And now Jesus is separated from his father for the very first time. And he says, God, why have you forsaken me? We learn in Isaiah that our sins cause a separation between us and God. And this was the first time that Jesus had ever experienced separation from the Father. That separation caused him to cry. The lesson here is this. Value your relationships with God so much that you can't stand to be apart from him. Value your relationship so much that I cannot stand one second to be separated from my Father which is in heaven. Can I be transparent with you? About two months ago, Jim was with me in the gym when I passed out. And I started going through all these troubles in my body. And man, I felt like Job. I wanted to cuss God and die. No, true story. I was like, God, if you're going to let me endure this if I, and I have to preach, I, I'm done. I'm done. And God said, that, that's how you're going to be? And for about two weeks, I felt like my prayers were not hitting anything but the ceiling in my house. And I cried. And I cried. And I cried. And I was like, God, I'm sorry. Please don't ever leave me again. And God said, I never left. You're the one who moved. See, we have to value God's presence more than the next breath that we take. Second, I mean, Timothy tells us, he says, for there is one God. One mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man Christ who gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Reconcile to God. We are back to God. Who wants to be close to God? There's a song, I want to be close, close to your side. Heaven is real, death is a lie. I want to be close to God. I don't ever want to feel that way so Jesus felt it for us. Do you see the, the trade here? He's the author and the finisher. So uh, we understand that, hey, we got to value that relationship. The next one, John, are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Am I going too fast? And y'all see some people like, <laughs> I'll just go back and watch it. All right. Slow speed down. John 19, 28 says this, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now what? Said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. Jesus at this point in the natural was going into shock from the trauma that was suffered. I'm into these these Vikings movies, y'all. Y'all know I was going to say something about it. I'm sorry. Shake your head all you want. I want to be a Viking. <laughs> I want to be Uhtred of Babingberg or Uhtred Ragnarsson, whichever one. But, but I was watching them, you know, crucify people on these shows. And, 
and it, it was it showed it all and 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 they were like the 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 Danes didn't understand it was like I do not understand this crucifixion and he said it's not just about death it's about the suffering and they don't die from the actual crucifixion but they die from the suffering and at this point, Jesus was dying from the suffering. He was going into shock. He's lost most of the bloods in his body. He had worn down to, he, had, he was worn down from the three-hour walk up Golgotha to, with the burden of the cross on his back. Jesus cared so much for us that he would not allow himself to die from natural means because he had to fulfill his purpose for us. Do you not know that when he was whipped by the cat of nine tails, he should have bled to death? Do you not know when they stuck the crown of thorns on his head, the pain was so excruciating, he should have passed out and, and had a heart attack and died from that? Do you not know, uh, I have a beard, and when they pull one, one string, one, one, one string out my beard, I want to slap the taste out their mouth. <laughs> Keep my beard. <laughs> Come back, come back, come back. <laughs> but they pull his beard out. Don't you know on a three-hour walk carrying that heavy cross, he should have died from the stress and the burden, here it is, of carrying your cross, my cross. Don't you know that when he first went up and, and he couldn't catch his breath, he should have died before he had a chance to say all these things. But because he had to fulfill scripture... He himself, according to 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that he might die to sin and live to righteousness, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Lesson here is the word of God will accomplish what it said it would do. So trust in the so trust in the word. In the beginning was God and the word was with God and the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. And be, we beheld him, the true son of God. He is Jesus, the word of God. He was there from the beginning. He was there when God said, let there be light. He was there when God said, let the seas roll back from the land. He was there when he said, let the cattle hang in the field, let the fish hang in the water. He said, he was there when God said, let the birds fly in the sky. He was there when he said, let the sun be the greater light, the moon be the lesser light. He was there when God kneeled down and formed man from the dirt from the earth. He was there when he took woman and formed woman. He was there. He was the word in the beginning. He is, uh, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And he was there. So trust in the word. When was the last time the sun fell out the sky? When was the last time the moon fell out the sky? When was the last? Oh, come on, somebody. The word is true. Somebody say, trust in the word. John 19.30 says this. When Jesus had received the sour wine, the vinegar, he said, what? Come on, say, say it like you're preaching like me. Come on, say it again. Watch this. And he, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. 
If you read the Synoptic Gospel, come with me to, to Bible class. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. John stands alone, even though they include it in the Synoptic Gospel, but the reason is not Synoptic because it does not begin with the generations of Jesus, and therefore John takes a different approach. So therefore John is just the Gospel, is not a part of the Synoptic. And so it, 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 you can call it Synoptic if you want to, you wouldn't be wrong, but technically you are. You'll fail my test. <laughs> But John, John, the reason is not a part of that because John skipped the natural of Jesus and jumped straight to in the beginning was the word. He didn't say and and David begat and Ruth begat and all these begats. He says in the beginning was the word. And so John focuses more on Jesus Messiah story. And he tells and portrays Jesus in control the whole time as a, uh, where's Chris, as an amazing conductor, composing creation with the perfect song and the perfect note. And Jesus is standing back in time. He, he reveals himself as a Christophany in the Old Testament. He shows up. There was one in a fire that resembles the son of man. He is a Christophany. Jesus had been there the whole time and he's conducting the symphony of life and then he finally gets to the point to where he says man can no longer follow my conduct and so I have no one else to swear by so I'll swear by myself I'm up and he steps from out of eternity into time and he becomes a child wrapped in swaddling clothing all the majesty of heaven wrapped in the dirt of humanity and he begins to live a life through trial and, and suffering and, and people mocking and people attacking from the day he was born they were trying to kill the word from the day he was born there was a decree that went out kill him but this phrase, it is finished, showed Jesus making it to the end. The devil tried to kill him. Man tried to kill him. People tried to kill him. Tried to figure out the devil said, well, if you got throw yourself from this cliff. And he was like, it is written. Why could he say it was written? Because he was the word. And so you can't tempt the word with the word because the word understands the word. And so we have to make sure we understand the word. And when the enemy comes against our body, I say it is written by his stripes. I am Come on. And so this phrase shows Jesus completely laying down his life at the moment with every punch, with every whip, with every lie, with every spat, with every hit, with every pull of his beard. The enemy thought he was winning. But here's my point right here. And the lesson is this. With every infliction of pain, the enemy pushed Christ to finish line and strengthening our faith. Somebody say our faith. Because Jesus finished, guess what? You can finish. He's the finisher. He is the finisher. There is no promise, no dream, no purpose in this room that will not be complete if you put your trust in the word of God. Because Jesus said, what? It is finished. Amen. Well, pastor, you don't know the, the, the things I've done, the people I slept with. It is finished finish. Paul said, I was the chief <laughs> among them all. I, I, I believe I, if I was a Paul, I was the worst of the worst, but God still used me. Why? Because it is finished. People try to remind me of who I used to be. It is finished. People try to tell me the things I used to do. It is finished. They try to tell me what I was addicted to. It 
is finished. They try to tell me I can't go on. Your family have high blood pressure. Your, your grandfather died of diabetes. Guess what? It is finished. I'm walking in victory every day. Come on. Anybody else is walking in victory with me? It is finished. Come on up, T. Luke 23, 46 says this. Then Jesus shouted. That was for those who went to sleep. I know, I know, I know you got crawfish on the ball. It's fine. It'll still be there. Luke 23, 46 says this. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. Since man nor the enemy was worthy of offering the perfect sacrifice, Jesus laid down his life to complete the work of the Christ. The lesson here is simply this. Jesus was not a victim, but a victor. We are victorious through the finished work of the cross. Why do we celebrate this holiday year after year, season after season, coming up with fancy ways to tell you that we serve a risen Savior and that he died for our sins? A reminder is never wrong. But I want you to know that you're victorious. The enemy does not have victory in your life. Do you hear me? Well, Pitts, what you mean he doesn't have victory in my life? I mean, he lost. He lost on that cross. He, he, he lost. The story doesn't end there. The Bible says that if he does that, the Roman soldiers realized that he was the son of God because the earth shook and the veil was rent, torn in two. And when the veil was rent and torn in two, that gave us access. But we didn't have access. Then they took him down off the cross. They put his grave clothes on him. Joseph of Arimathea stepped up and said, hey, you can use my tomb. Put the body of Jesus in that tomb. Lay them there. Everyone weeping and crying. People coming by to see to make sure he was dead because he said, if you tear this temple down in three days, I'll build it up. Day one passed by. They were like, wow, he's dead. Day two passed by. They passed by. Wow, he's still dead. Day three shows up. A group of women get together and say, let's go. Let's go down there. They, they walk and they show up and the stones roll away. <laughs> the soldiers were laid out. <laughs> and he walked in and his clothes were not thrown all over the place like most of our bedroom. But they were neatly folded. He took his time. Because that's what we serve. Everything he does is intentional. He folds his clothes up and he exits what was meant to bury him. 
Why was he able to exit what was meant to bury him? Because of those words, it is finished. Yes, the enemy is throwing a party and he's giving your eulogy. You are a good man. He's doing your eulogy. He's ashes to ashes, dust to dirt. But what he didn't fail to realize was that I was just crucified with Christ. No longer I live, so the death that he was seeing was just the beginning of the resurrection that I was getting ready to have. Let me say this again. They may have crucified you publicly, but you're going to resurrect publicly too. Can I get an amen? Come on, can I get a better amen? Right here in this moment, right here in this moment, I, there's a group of people, I, I want to pray for some of you right here. You may be here this morning, and you're hearing this message talk about it is finishing, how much God loves us and how intentional he was and, and all this forgiveness, but you may be stuck in a place where you've abandoned your path to purpose. And I'm not doing this to embarrass you. I'm not doing this to put you on blast. But I'm doing this because I, I want you to make it to your purpose and your promise. If you're here and you've been struggling with that, I want you to just stand on your feet right where you are. If that's you, and you're saying, Pastor, I've been struggling. I've been having a hard time making it to my purpose. Don't, don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. It's all right. If you're online, go ahead and put that hand emoji up. If that's you, hey, fine. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, is there anyone else said, I've been struggling, Pastor. You don't understand. I've been struggling. There's been one thing after another. I text Pastor Kevin yesterday. I come out of my house. We're having all sorts of problems. Thank you, brother. We're having all sorts of problems with stuff here at the church. And I come outside and I have two flat tires. Two flat tires on the same side of the car. And I text him, and I meant it with all my heart. I say, Kevin, when it rains, it pours. I was done, man. I was hot. I was like, forget this. Amante missing his flights and, you know, having layovers, trying to get him here on time. We're having all sorts of stuff happening. The devil was trying to hinder. But I'm here to tell you, the struggle is over. There's another group of you here today. You say, God, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know you did that for me. But today, I want to stand for you. I'm not standing for pits. I'm not standing for anchor. I'm not standing for the cameras. I'm not standing for that. But I'm standing because I need you. If you're here and you say you want to stand for Jesus, because you haven't stood for him before, I want you to stand on your feet too. This is not to embarrass you. This is not to put you on blast. But you could go ahead and stand for Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Who else wants to stand for Jesus? No, come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, mother. The Lord told me to tell you this, mom. There's so much more left in you. You're, you're not even close to finish the work that God has on the inside of you. Not even close. When I hugged you this morning, when you put your arms around me, there was something imparted in me, a strength and a fortitude that you have displayed over the years. Your story is one of perseverance. And people need to hear that. You tell that story. Amen. 
of you who are standing right here in this moment, I, I just want to pray for you. Come on, just close your eyes and lift your hands. Wherever you are. Father, I pray now for your anointing and your power to destroy every yoke, lift every burden. Father, I pray that their faith will rise down, Father. I see the tears falling down faces this morning, God. But Father, you said everything we sold in tears, we will get to reap in joy. So Father, I pray joy in the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray, God, just the boldness to continue the walk in the midst of storms, trials, and tribulation. James declares, we count it all joy when we find ourselves in diverse temptation. For tribulation worketh patience, patience worketh experience. Experience works hope, and hope will never be made a shame. And Father, we give you glory for this hope. Father, I pray for those standing for Jesus. Father, I pray, God, that they will not only stand in these four walls, but they'll stand on their jobs. They'll stand with their families. They'll stand in their schools. They'll stand in their homes. God, I declare, God, that they'll stand for Jesus everywhere they get an opportunity. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.